The following podcast is a part of RadioMisfits.com. And now it's time for the Mr. Nelson Show. Yes, you are listening to The Mr. Nelson Show, episode 245. That's right, yes. So, what to do? Well, with Red and Lefty uh, not available, as they are both on assignment, (laughs) it's just you and me. So, what to talk about? Well, I could talk about all the crap that's normally going on, and, oh, God... I, I just don't know if I can keep doing that stuff anymore. I mean, it, it works better, I guess, to give some kind of argument for Lefty and Red to scream about. But boy, does that take its toll on the old vocal cords, too. So, oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, there there won't be any uh, Night Night or uh, American Super Society. I, I should have wrapped that one up in the last episode. Now I got to now I gotta stretch the material I've got <laughs> for the final one. Uh, but ho- hopefully I'll get that one out to you uh, next time around. But speaking of superheroes, the next big superhero movie coming. No, I don't mean Shazam. I know Shazam's coming out this week. And uh, from all I've heard about, it sounds pretty good. And it looks like uh, Warner Brothers, for their superhero universe, being the DC Comics version, probably has another hit on their hands. And it could match the big numbers that Aquaman brought in. And uh, a lot of this depends on that foreign market because the Captain Marvel movie didn't do all that great here. It made money, but uh, there's some uh, things that are dubious about what kind of amounts of money they spent on it. There was someone saying as high as uh, it needed to make $750 million to break even. And I'm like, good Lord, it's not on the screen. And then, of course, you got to consider the marketing. And the marketing was very strange in that they approached that movement businesses again, which they touched on with uh, Black Panther. But Black Panther produced, uh, simply uh, presented itself as this predominantly black cast and all that sort of thing. Whereas uh, the Captain Marvel movie was just going on and on. She's a woman. She's a woman. She's a woman. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, and of course, once you see the film, you realize, oh, because they it didn't have anything. Uh, and so uh, if that amount and also the saturation of theaters. Now, they did it for this movie. The only one they'd done that before was Infinity War. But for Infinity War, you could certainly understand because they figured it would be very big. And it paid off in droves because of just the amount of money it made. So you wanted to uh, get it out in as many screens as possible to uh, get every little dollar you could get. Uh, and but but with Captain Marvel, uh, I think the intent was to <laughs> to give it every possible chance um, because it just wasn't very good. But more on that later. Uh, when I uh, introduce this current series of reviews that I intend to do. So, with uh, Avengers Endgame approaching, I thought uh, it would be a good idea to look back at the previous Marvel movies that we've seen that tells the whole narrative 
of what is now known as the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yes, that's right. So I started to rewatch the older films, uh, the uh, uh, a choice selection of the older films, and that's because I don't have all the films. <laughs> Some of them, I don't know, maybe I'll get them, but I notice the price doesn't really come down with those, at least brand new. I mean, you can get you know, used copies on eBay and stuff like that. Uh, get a cheap deal there. But, uh, boy, at Walmart, it did, they did, I don't know, all the other movies come down in price, but not those. But anyway, uh, so there's some movies that I intend to get. I, I don't have all the Iron Man movies. That really, I thought I had at least Iron Man 2, but all I had was the first one. Um, and the Guardians of the Galaxy, I was never wowed by those, and I, I, I don't know. <laughs> And Captain Marvel, I'm probably never going to buy that one. But anyway, so Iron Man, uh, rewatched that. And Iron Man, I it, it didn't change my opinion at all, having not seen it in a while. Uh, but Iron Man sets a standard by which all other superhero movies sh- could learn from and follow of a template, especially when you're introducing your superhero. And when it's uh, based on previous material, if you're doing something brand new, well, that's a different matter. But here, uh, where it stays immediately, it checks off that box. Does it uh, respect its source material? Yes, it does. Uh, the tweaks are obvious for done for obvious reasons. Whereas originally, Tony Stark uh, gets shot down in uh, Vietnam. It just says a South e- uh, East Asian uh, country. <laughs> Well, you knew what it was. And if same thing, a warlord uh, gets hold of him and demands he makes weapons for him. And, of course, he ends up making the iron, the first Iron Man suit. Uh, and he has help from another prisoner who ends up dying trying to keep Tony safe while he activates his Iron Man suit. And so that's pretty much it's all there. And, of course, the character development, the hero's journey for Tony Stark is for him to go from this privileged uh, a-hole, arrogant a-hole guy. (laughs) He's just basically having a good time, and he's selling these super weapons, and hey, it's great, it's bringing in the money, and I'm I'm, uh, sleeping with all these uh, hot chicks, and eh, good times. And then he gets spanked pretty hard and uh, go and is broken, humiliated, and crushed and put through something really horrible. And, of course, he, gain, he befriends this doctor in there who saves his life and he, you know, he grows to care about this man. And then he has to watch him die. And so this is, the tra- this is when he transforms. It's not just he builds the suit. It's already established he's this genius tech guy who can build these things. And he, and he does it. And uh, but the transformation is in that moment where he's broken and beaten down and discovers that his own weapons is being used by the enemy as well. And uh, and it's a situation of the guilt that he he helped create the situ- uh, this scenario that he's now being tormented in and along with the doctor who's killed and so on and so forth. And so there you go when he emerges from the cave, uh, the new Tony Stark, who is Iron Man now, is born. And that's 
classic superheroic story, especially with an origin story. And when done well like that, and when you show this transformation emotionally as well as the physical transformation, uh, you, you, you can bring your audience in because a lot of people, well, they're sick of origin stories, especially when they know them. Like it's a hard thing for Batman and Superman. We've seen those how many times and stuff like that. Iron Man was new as far as the, the movie audience goes. Uh, because uh, unless you were a hardcore comic book fan, uh, I didn't know a whole lot about him, if anything. And so, but uh, they, uh, but man, what a story to pick to introduce uh, their um, the, the their movie version of Marvel on that uh, in that situation where here comes Iron Man, and it's the perfect little transformative story. And where he is, he comes from so high and is brought so low and then climbs himself even higher than he was before. Certainly a uh, much more noble man uh, than he was uh, in the beginning. And so the rest of the story, of course, you get the adventure. You find out he was betrayed uh, you and the, the real enemy and all that sort of thing. But, of course, while watching it, <laughs> and I've heard this going through, this, oh, you couldn't make Iron Man today. And, of course, why? Well, <laughs> he's a straight white man. He's rich. <laughs> he builds weapons for the government, of course. He changes that because he's, you know, he doesn't like doing that anymore. But, um, and, but he attacks and brutalizes Afghan terrorists. <laughs> so, and they're all people of color. Oh, no. Oh, you can't show that. Uh, even though, well, that's what was happening. <laughs> so, you got all that, even though it throws it in, the, the real enemy turned it out, turned out to be his own corporate uh, partner and so on. It was manipulating everything, but still, uh, and uh, well, he's uh, pretty fast and loose with the women. Oh, my goodness, you can't have that. And so on and so forth. And uh, and he ends up saving the girl. Well, you can't have men doing that. That's demeaning to women these days. So there's all those things. And, and, and <laughs> <laughs> Without Iron Man, there is no Marvel Cinematic Universe. So this movie had to be good, and it was, and it had to reach and grab that audience and plus give them that first stinger you get. Holy crap, there's Nick Fury. It, it's a shared universe, and here we go. It's on. And so that was a great moment, and it, it, it sealed the deal, and it made the, what, what happened possible where the idea of the shared universe, like never before, was unfolding right in front of you, right then and right there, and Iron Man did it. And so all these people, you couldn't make it. Does that you mean you couldn't because you're an idiot? But everything else that's done is built on the foundation laid by that movie. And, of course, the spectacular performance by Robert Downey Jr., and and sometimes you would think that by now, even with the money, he probably would have moved on by, you know, and all that sort of thing. But I think there's a lot of that. He understands that Iron Man also saved his life because his career was in a very bad spot after his battle with addiction. And he managed to claw back probably the most spectacular story I've ever seen for someone uh, that and, and that serious problem he had. And he does all that. So even that it gives some amount of push. Uh, just even, you know, even though it's rather outside of the movie, but so all of that is there and it's an, a, an astounding achievement. And, uh, it's kind of sad to see where <laughs> MCU is going now, but anyway, Iron Man did the deal and began 
what we all know and love today. Well, well, for, for the time being, <laughs> the MCU. Now, not long after that, the other uh, movie that they did came along, which was The Incredible Hulk. Now, The Incredible Hulk is also an interesting way of handling the origin story when you're tired of it. The thing about The Incredible Hulk is that it wasn't that long ago that you had the, uh, who was it, Ang Lee version of the Hulk. And there were some interesting things about it, but on the on the most part, it didn't do very well, and people weren't that thrilled about it. And so now they do this new Hulk who's going to be within this shared universe, uh, which is already established by Iron Man. And so in here, how do you deal with the origin story? Well, they just put it in the opening credits. <laughs> and I think that's something other movies should look to. When you don't want to, when you're reintroducing a character, they, uh, if they're going to do this Batman thing, they can show the opening credits that details it, and that's it. You know, and it's just music and stuff, and you know what it is. And, and you move forward. And that's how they did it, and it worked uh, perfectly. And, of course, there was a lot of tributes to the Bill Bixby show, and that was all cool, and Lou Ferrigno makes a cameo. And uh, they even make uh, Bill Bixby appears from his old uh, Eddie's father show. And then there's uh, Jack McGee is a student at the college where Betty works. So a little thing, and then the music, they played that too. So, and then of course the whole man on the run, uh, type story deal for, uh, Bruce Banner and all that's very well good. It didn't do as well as Iron Man. And so it was largely seen as kind of a, a lackluster or even a failure, but, and I'm not sure why, as I think it's a fine film. It holds up. I really enjoyed rewatching it. And, uh, it's kind of sad that whole story that was established there. It never really gets resolved. We see General Ross appear in the Avengers movies and so and uh, Captain America and stuff like that. Uh, but that's about it. Uh, Betty, what happened? We don't know. It could have been recasted and all that. But instead, they, they, they slapped on this romance with Black Widow, which is it doesn't work. It was really kind of bad that they did that. Uh, but uh, not everything is perfect in MCU. No, no, it's not. And we'll get there. But uh, the Hulk... I thought did a fairly uh, good job there. Now, uh, some of the CGI, of course, doesn't hold up. And the, the abomination really is an abomination. <laughs> I kind of wish they had made him look more like the comic book character, which this version of him doesn't look anything like it. But uh, you had your Titanic battle at the end, and uh, that wraps up uh, the film. And uh, unfortunately, another detail is that you seem to be being introduced to the man who would become another Hulk villain, the leader. And I guess we'll never see that because I, they figured the lackluster performance on The Incredible Hulk wasn't good enough. And plus, they still share the rights with Universal Pictures. So they figure it's better to just go ahead and use him as part of the Avengers movies and that sort of thing rather than have him in his own movie and have to share uh, a substantial chunk with Universal on, uh, on that type of version, uh, I think, anyway. But... Uh, the Hulk uh, presents, again, the character development, even though the origin has already happened, but it's the the story of Banner's struggle and his isolation and his desire and his love for Betty, which is kind of strange that, that when they, <laughs> it's just completely forgotten, but I mean, he, he's doing an awful lot in the hopes that he could finally get back to her, and it's uh, rather tragic that he probably can't. And uh, dealing with the Hulk and all that. And in some instances, it seems kind of silly at the end. That might be one of the weaker parts 
that he just sort of, and he seems kind of happy with the idea that he might turn into the Hulk. And it's like, well, I don't think so. <laughs> Still torments him. But it did reveal, after seeing the abomination, he realizes the Hulk is not as much of a monster as it could be. And it's because he's the better man. And so all that comes through. And uh, it, 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 you get a co cohesive and solid story here, uh, as opposed to some uh, recent efforts. <laughs> so Iron Man and the Hulk, uh, maybe the Hulk didn't do as well as Iron Man, but they both still establish the whole damn thing of the MCU. Because, yes, once again, another surprise stinger, uh, Tony Stark shows up. Uh, to visit General Thunderbolt Ross <laughs> sitting in a bar, getting drunk after everything that happened. <laughs> and uh, mentions, we're building a team. Oh, what's the team? Well, we know it's going to be the Avengers. But even at that point, you kind of wonder, did he already know about Captain America, which will be the next uh, film that I will talk about? But with Captain America, uh, they it was, people would have known the story about how he disappeared at, in, in World War II and all that. Uh, but then at some point, they find his body uh, frozen in the ice. And you see the scene there where uh, Nick Fury, you know, confronts him at the end and tells him what happened. And I, I kind of wondered if there was any establishment of the timeline there. When did that take place in, uh, you know, in Times Square? Uh, and does Tony Stark already know this story? And I'm not entirely certain or what he knew, but he did know that Nick Fury wanted to form a team of special people. And as far as Tony Stark knew, he wouldn't have known that uh, of any others, except, I guess, maybe Hawkeye and uh, Black Widow at that point. But anyway, it's just an interesting little side note. But there you go. That's what started the whole thing. <laughs> Sounding as that is, and it's sort of hard to believe because uh, it could have gone so wrong and just not worked out at all. And yet it did. And when you consider the position that Marvel it, it itself was, that they had to build that studio up from nothing. They came out of bankruptcy as a publisher. And then they had to, to get the money. They licensed out characters for other studios, which, you know, in the long run kind of cost them. They lost the X-Men. They lost Spider-Man and Fantastic Four and so forth. Uh, but what they had left, they managed to build this movie studio out of this bold idea. And it paid off. And then they were able to uh sell to the big daddy disney which brought in uh, the big money and uh for better or worse and maybe in the long run it could be worse <laughs> i don't know what's going on there and what kind of weird disease has infected hollywood uh but anyway uh even if it goes bad that 10 years is pretty damn good for such an ambitious project and they most certainly pulled it off and you can't take that away. So there you go. Iron Man and Hulk started it off for the MCU. This is a Nelson News Bulletin. Australian man loses bullying by breaking win court case. Hello, I'm Mr. Nelson. An Australian appeals court on Friday dismissed a bullying case brought by an engineer who accused his former supervisor of repeatedly breaking wind toward him. The Victoria State Court of Appeal upheld a Supreme Court judge's ruling that even if engineer David Heinz's allegations were true, flatulence did not necessarily constitute bullying. Heinz said he would take his case to the high court 
Australia's final court of appeal. The 56-year-old is seeking 1.8 million Australian dollars, 1.3 million in American dollars, damages from his former Melbourne employer, construction engineer. Hengst testified that he had moved out of a communal office space to avoid Supervisor Greg Short's flatulence. Hengst told the court that Short would then enter Hank's small, windowless office several times a day and break wind. Hanks alleged that Mr. Short would regularly break wind on him or at him. Mr. Short thinking this to be funny, the two appeal court judges wrote in their ruling. Hanks said he would spray Short with deodorant and call his supervisor Mr. Stinky. He would fart behind me and walk away. He would do this five or six times a day, Hanks said outside court. Short told the court he did not recall breaking wind in Hanks' office. But I may have done it once or twice. Hanks also accused Short of being abusive over the phone, using profane language and taunting him. The appeals judges found Hanks put the issue of Mr. Short's flatulence to the forefront of his bullying case, arguing that flatulence constituted assaults. The court found that Short did not bully or harass Heinst. Heinst had failed to establish that construction engineering had been negligent. Heinst worked for construction engineering as a contract administrator from May 2008 until April 2009. He argues he was bullied in the workplace until his job was terminated. Construction engineering argued his job was terminated because of a downturn in construction work due to the global financial crisis in late 2008. So, was this a serious case, or was the plaintiff merely blowing smoke up the ass of the law? This has been a Nelson News Bulletin. Like the sound of my voice? Yes, you know you do, and you want to hear it in the best way possible. So why not get yourself some headphones and accessories from Tweaked Audio? Key features include eight colors and styles, mic'd and non-mic'd versions, designed to sound great for music and talk. Noise-reducing design with a lifetime warranty. So head over to tweakedaudio.com and use discount code Mr. Nelson at checkout for 33% off and free worldwide shipping. That's Mr. Nelson. M-R-N-A-I-L-S-I-N. It's not case-sensitive, but it is all one word. That's tweakedaudio.com. Next time on My Brother's Keeper. <laughs> yeah, people say I'm stupid stuff, but come on, man. You're not going to pull the wool over my eyes on that one. You can't tell me we ever went to the moon. I mean, look at that thing. <laughs> I mean, I know it's bigger than the other dots in the sky, but <laughs> you can't fit a spaceship on that thing. It's too small. <laughs> I, gotta go. uh, I just came back uh, from my lawnmower. I was going to do the yard job you were supposed to do, but you didn't. You only did it half-assed. Well, uh, yeah, shut up and listen. I sat on it, and that seat was soaking wet. Now I got a wet ass. <laughs> well, uh, Shut up. Uh, did you leave my lawnmower outside? Well, yeah. Did you leave my lawnmower outside? <laughs> Next time on My Brother's Keeper. On TLC. <laughs> well, what going on?
<laughs> Why, this is Flash Gordon, Space Soldiers Conquer the Universe, Chapter 1, as ripped by yours truly. <laughs> Slow down a minute, is what? Oh, just think of it as Mr. Nelson. Oh, yeah, yeah, Flash Gordon. Yes, you've probably seen some of these before, as several of this serial have been at the beginning. Of many of the other movies that I've riffed at my self eyes store. Yes, but of course, full films are $1.75. But if all you want to do is see Flash Gordon, well, you can do that too. And only for 90 cents. Oh man, that sounds like a sweet deal! Yes, yes it is. Right now, you can head over to selfie.com slash Nelson. That's S-E-L-L-F-Y dot com slash N-A-I-L-S-I-N. It's just that simple. And there you'll find Chapter 1 of Flash Gordon, Space Soldiers Conquer the Universe, Chapter 1. Yes, in Chapter 1, Flash tries to stop Ming Spaceship from pissing all over the Earth. Wait, what? <laughs> Well, not exactly, but of course, that's a typical Nelson interpretation of all these crappy old films. Yes, so without further ado, I must give you warning! Due to an extreme lack of talent, bathroom humor is deployed throughout the film. <laughs> you mean like fart noises and toilet flashes? <laughs> Yes, along with inappropriate laugh tracks, cartoon sound effects, and public domain music from such sources as Kevin MacLeod. It's all there for you if we're only 90 cents. Oh man, we're gonna get it again? <laughs> well, you head over to the Nelson Theater Store at selfie.com. Selfie.com slash Nelson. That's S-E-L-L-F-Y dot com slash N-A-I-L-S-I-N. Yes, it's just that simple. Nelson Theater is a proud sponsor of the Mr. Nelson Show. Because if Mr. Nelson doesn't sponsor the Mr. Nelson Show, who will? You're listening to the Mr. Nelson Show here on RadioMisfits.com. And now, it's time for... Perhaps! But maybe not. Nobody knows for sure who or what the Shadow Man is. But it may be the ghost of a man who was convicted of stalking and kidnapping children. He was caught in a home he had broken into a few days before, and was being dragged off to the gallows after his trial when he overpowered the guards and ran into the woods. A huge search was organized, and the entire forest was thoroughly searched, but he was never found. A few years later, children started going missing again, and some people thought that it must be him. Their suspicions were put to rest, however, after one of the missing children came back. The five-year-old boy was questioned, and during a police interview, he revealed that he was captured by a shadow man with big red eyes and a funny hat. Since then, there have been many more reports of this shadow man. The shadow is described as being a shadow of a tall man with a bowler's hat and glowing red eyes. He can assume almost any form he chooses and slip through 
any door. He will plague children with nightmares about a strange man in a bowler's hat, grabbing them and taking them away to an old hut. After a few days, he will creep into the child's room and stare down at them with his glowing red eyes until they wake up. The child will be petrified with fear, and that is when the Shadow Man will whisk them off, and the child will never be seen again. The scariest part is that he could be anywhere, at any time, and you can never be sure if he is there, watching you. So, is the Shadow Man some ethereal demon from a dark netherworld? Or just some creepy pervert in black? Perhaps, but maybe not. And now, it's time for... I Can't Even with Lefty Turdington. Hey guys, Lefty Turdington here, welcoming you back to another episode of I Can't Even. And, well, this brings us back to, once again, to the Jesse Smollett case. I know, I know, everyone's all out of whack and upset about the terrible injustice done to poor Mr. Smollett. And nobody would believe him. And just in his words, boy, if the attackers had been Muslim or something along those lines, everybody would have believed him, but then they didn't. And all this stuff about, oh, he had friends in high places, and that's how he got out of there. Well, give me a break. Like, I'm going to believe the Trump-supporting Chicago PD. Yeah, that's right. I said it, you heard it here first. Uh, probably elsewhere, too. But, uh, and rob a man, you'll shame on you. How could you? Although, you're probably right. Even if he had made it up, it is Trump's fault. But anyway, the point being, uh, Jesse had said his attackers were white, and yet it's, it, the investigation allegedly seems to indicate that it was these two uh, brothers from Nigeria who are, well, obviously not white. Well, uh... Who knew that they could be Trump supporters and homophobic, which apparently they were. But the reason Jesse didn't recognize them is because apparently, according to Jesse's attorney, they were in whiteface. Yes, that's right. And all you got to do is Google. You can find the evidence. There is an image of one of the brothers dressed up in, yes, white face. So, of course, in the image, he looks like uh, the Joker, the the uh, supervillain from the Batman uh, series. So there you go. Uh, easily, you would not be able to recognize him, and you would think this is some nasty white MAGA hat-wearing uh, racist homophobe typical of the Trump voter. And so it's all very logical, and it explains the whole thing. I mean, come on. But you know what? A lot of this has been damaging to poor Mr. Smollett's career. And they're, they are working on a new Batman film, uh, directed by Matt Reeves. So, and, 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 and as late as now, I've heard that they haven't yet cast the new, uh, Batman since, uh, Ben Affleck, uh, uh, retired from the role. So, oh, good lord, it's right there in front of you. Jesse Smollett should be cast as the new Batman, since he already has experience with fighting with the Joker. I mean, I can't even. This has been I Can't Even with Lefty Turdington. Lefty Turdington is a frequent co-host of the Mr. Nelson Show podcast on RadioMisfits.com. The views and opinions of Lefty Turdington do not necessarily reflect those of RadioMisfits.com or any other platform he may appear on. So, 
Any comments and or complaints should be sent to someone who cares. This is a Nelson News Bulletin. T-shirt gun used to blast drugs into prison. Hello, I'm Mr. Nelson. An Oklahoma woman armed with a $1,599 t-shirt gun successfully launched a package of contraband over the fence of a prison, but her smuggling attempt was quickly derailed by eagle-eyed correction officers. Police allege that Carrie Jo Hickman, 40, drove to the North Fork Correctional Center in Sire and used the Bleacher Reacher Pro T-shirt gun to blast a package over the fence. Prison personnel spotted the incoming round, which landed near a housing unit and intercepted it before the intended recipient could scoop up its contents. The seized package contained methamphetamine, pot, cell phones, tobacco, earbuds, chargers, and digital scales. Upon seeing the container launched over the fence, corrections officers tailed the vehicle in which Hickman drove away from the medium-security men's prison, which holds up to 2,500 inmates. Hickman was subsequently pulled over and arrested by Oklahoma Highway Patrol officers. A search of Hickman's car recovered a second package containing contraband and the T-shirt gun, which is sold at tshirtgun.com. The seven-pound gun, powered by a carbon dioxide canister, can propel payloads of up to 300 feet, or, as the manufacturer notes, to the top deck of most arenas and stadiums. Charged with introducing contraband into a correctional institution, narcotics trafficking, and conspiracy all felonies, Hickman is being held in the Beckham County Jail in lieu of $200,000 bond. Hickman has a lengthy rap sheet with drug convictions in several Oklahoma counties. She was in state prison until her release from custody in late January of this year. <laughs> right back where you started, Hickman. But hey, you know, give her an A for effort and uh, ingenuity. This has been a Nelson News Bulletin. The views and opinions expressed during the Mr. Nelson Show do not necessarily reflect those held by RadioMisfits.com. So, any complaints and or comments should be sent to at Mr. Nelson on Twitter, where they will be promptly ignored and or blocked. That man attacked me. That's enough. That's evidence. When the woman says it, it's evidence.